And God, as we come today, may that be true. We just see that, that there's nothing besides you. That you are so great and so good to us. And we don't deserve any of it. And everything else just pales in comparison to you. Help us to see that truth this morning. Help us to believe that this morning. As we respond to you, as we respond to your greatness, to your glory. Help us to walk with you. Help us to live in that grace that you have for us. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. And as Jim prayed earlier, Spirit, would you speak through Michael as he brings the word to us this morning? In your name, amen. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning as we're gathered for worship. And uh, one of the truly the highlights of, of my week, every week, is this time that we have. We gather together for worship, and I trust that uh, in, in your life that uh, you feel the same. And if you don't, I guess, then uh, we'll just pray that maybe you'll get there one of these days, right? We love being together on Sunday mornings, gather together in worship, and we're grateful that we get to do this. Speaking of gathering together, if you're a guest, a newcomer worshiping with us today, we want to encourage you to take one of the guest registration cards and fill that out. Drop that in the offering plate later in the service today when we receive our offering. We'll pass a plate. You just drop that in and we'll have record of the fact that you are here with us. Or if you prefer to, uh, to give us that same information digitally, you can scan the QR code printed inside your worship guide. It'll take you to a website. That website is fbcchickasha.org for those who are joining us online slash Connect, okay? So fbcchickasha.org slash connect, and there you'll find the, the online form. You can give us that same information. This morning, our kids stay with us. It's the last Sunday of the month, and so they're with us for worship this morning instead of releasing them for Kids Crew. So I'm excited for the kids to be in the room with us this morning as well. As we continue our study, we're looking at what it means to experience the movement of God in our lives, in our midst. And today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture 1 Samuel chapter 3. Maybe you saw that. If you looked on the back side of the worship guide, you noticed that we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture there in 1 Samuel 3. And so I want to encourage you, turn your Bibles there with me. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Have you heard of this phenomenon, this idea of selective hearing uh, before? Maybe you've heard of it because you have it, right? So the idea is this, that selective hearing is essentially that you hear what you want to hear. And you, you listen to the things that, that, you, uh, that you want to listen to and, and I suppose ignore other things. And one of the things that happens sometimes as we age is our hearing uh, isn't as good as it used to be. In fact, this happens to me rather frequently uh, these days at 43 years old that uh, someone will be talking in the other room and I know that they're talking to me and I can hear that they're talking to me and yet... I have no idea what they're saying, and so I have to, like, I have to move closer to them. I have to say to my kids, like, say it again, old man can't hear you. You know, old man ears aren't working here, and, and that sort of thing. Sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes we don't hear because maybe our, our hearing isn't what it used to be. Sometimes we don't hear because we just choose not to, right? We choose to have, so there are certain things we don't want to hear. We have that, that idea of, uh, of selective hearing of sorts. Well, if we were to 
to really dive into the background behind this text that we're going to read today, we'll, we'll come to see this character in the Old Testament whose name is Eli. Eli was a high priest, and Eli had two sons whose names were Hophni and Phinehas, and they also were priests because they were Levites. And so it was, it was their tribe. It was their, their, their family uh, tradition, if you will. Their family, uh, really their, their responsibility as members of the tribe of the Levites, that they were to minister in the house of the Lord, the temple of God. And yet what we see, if you were to read in 1 Samuel chapter 2, is that Eli and his sons did not listen to the word of the Lord. Now, in particular, it it details some of the ways that Eli's sons had essentially had sinned against God. But Eli's own culpability in that was that rather than dealing with his sons and their sins, he just let it slide. He, He passively let things go. And so God issues a word of judgment in 1 Samuel chapter 2 against Eli and his sons. And then... We, we find this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, the book 1 Samuel bears the name Samuel. And the character that we're introduced here is none other than Samuel. And this is the story of how God is going to speak and work in Samuel's life. And then all the things that happen during this lifetime of Samuel as he is ministering and as he is serving the Lord. But it begins here with this Passage, at least in as much as we see Samuel's active participation. Truly, the story begins really with 1 Samuel chapter 1, the story of Hannah, Samuel's mother, who was barren, could not have children, and God listened to her cries and, and allowed her to have a son. And when the son Samuel was born, when, when he was of a certain age, she took him to the temple and essentially gave him to God. Said, Lord, I'm going to honor my word to you that if you would give me a son, I would give him back to you. And so she entrusted Samuel to be raised by Eli in the presence of the other priests and, and to serve and minister there in the temple. And this is the story of where God speaks to Samuel and and how Samuel responds. And as we're understanding what it means to experience a movement of God, what we've seen the past few weeks is that God wants to speak to us. God wants to work in our hearts and our lives. And as we pray for a movement of God, really what we ought to be praying for is not just that God would move everywhere else, but that God would move in our hearts and our lives. It's not just about what we want to see God do around us, but what we're asking God to do in us. And if I could summarize today's message in in a sentence, it would be this. It would be to say that before God speaks through us, He first wants to speak to us. And that's what we see in in Samuel's life. We know because, well, just the, the fact that the book bears his name. You can probably conclude that God spoke through Samuel and did some great things through Samuel. And no doubt he did. But before God spoke through Samuel, God wanted to first speak to Samuel. And this is the passage we see this morning where God speaks and Samuel responds with obedience to the Lord. So let's read together 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We'll read through verse 11. And then we're going to look at what it, what it means and, and, and for us to experience God's movement and to see God move in our lives in a way similar to how we see God move in Samuel's life in this particular passage. 
Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. So Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. And then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel. At which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. What what an an incredible thing that that God speaks and Samuel hears him. And then he responds ultimately in in an obedient manner, right? Speak for your servant hears. You know, this passage has long meant a, a lot to me. Because this actually, this text was instrumental in my own call to ministry. When I was... 14 years old, and I sensed that God was speaking to me and calling me to ministry, that 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 was the path that he had chosen for me. This in particular was the passage that God really used to affirm that call, that God used to speak to me, that that my response was to be like the response of Samuel, just to say, Lord, speak, because I'm listening. Whatever it is that you're asking me to do, whatever whatever it is you're going to tell me, whatever direction you're going to send me, Lord, I want to say yes. I want to respond in obedience. And so for years, I, I've, I've held this passage in a dear place in my heart. But as I was thinking about it this week and studying and, and really digging in, I discovered something new even that I had never seen before in the text that, that God really... I think revealed to me that I think is going to be key for us to understand today. And, and so I want us to see together these four things. You've noticed that there are four points on the, the backside of your worship guide where you can follow along and take notes. Four points. And, and in particular, I want us to see how this passage relates to our own desire to see God move in our hearts and our lives, that we would experience His movement in our day, much like Samuel experienced the movement of God in his own day. The first thing that we see in this is this, that to experience God's movement, I must listen. I must listen. Now that may sound like the most basic thing, and, and I suppose truly it is, that I must listen. If, if we're to hear God speak, then we have to be listening. But notice what it says in verses 1 and 2. It says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. And even in verse 2 it says, Eli, had be- his eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. Now, 
you need to understand that although that was maybe a physical reality that, that Eli was living with, the truth is that in the text, as we, as we understand what's been taking place, that's really symbolic. It's metaphoric as well. Now, I don't mean to say that it doesn't mean that Eli's eyes weren't what they once were, but you need to understand that it's really, it's, it's the, the, the writer of, of Samuel is pointing to a much deeper spiritual reality that was taking place as well. Eli was not hearing from the Lord as he once did. He wasn't seeing God move in the way that he once did. And as much as anything, the, the reality was because he wasn't listening. So when we hear that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, that really, as the reader, we ought to ask ourselves the question. And, and the question simply is just, why? Why was the word of the Lord rare? There's really two reasons why it would seem that the word of the Lord was rare. One, either one, because God wasn't speaking, or two, because people weren't listening. And in context, when you read 1 Samuel 1 and 2, and and better yet, when you understand Samuel in the context even of the books that precede it, right, as the, as the, the, the arrangement of the, of, of the Old Testament has been put together to give this unfolding story of the, the people of God, we, we realize that it's really, it's the latter. It's not that God wasn't speaking. It's, it's more an issue of the fact that people weren't listening to what it is that God was wanting to say and how it is that God was wanting to move. If we're going to experience God's movement, we have to listen. I, I think we could Many of us would survey the landscape, the spiritual landscape, the, uh, the, 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 in many ways the moral landscape even of our day, and we would, we would see a similar indictment of ourselves, a similar indictment of, of, of our day and time, that people aren't seeing God move. People aren't listening. And it's not that God doesn't want to speak. It's not that God doesn't have a word to say to us. We've got to prepare ourselves and even position ourselves to listen, to hear from God. In this story, Samuel's willingness, right? Speak, Lord. His willingness, his eager heart, eager to listen, eager to obey, is what opens the door for God to work in his life. And it even ends with this this disclosure that God says to Samuel, I'm about to do something big in your day. Samuel, I'm glad that you're listening because I, I have a word for you. I'm about to do something big. I believe this morning that if, if we will listen, that we would hear God say a similar thing to us. That he's about to do something big in our day if we would incline our hearts to listen to him. The issue for many of us is that we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to listen to God speak. Years ago, I did a Bible study, and, and I've talked about this oftentimes, uh, about the Bible study, Experiencing God, written by Henry Blackaby. And in that study, Blackaby says that God speaks four ways. There are four ways that God speaks through his Holy Spirit. God speaks through his word. God speaks through prayer. He speaks through circumstances. And he speaks through the church, through others in, in the church. And so for years, when I have... When I have tried to incline myself to listen. That's where I've gone to. Lord, I want to hear from you from your word. 
God, I want to I spend time in prayer asking for you to speak, asking for you to move. God, I, I want to look at the things that are happening around me, the circumstances, and, and say, how is, how is the Lord working in this? How is God moving in this? And then ultimately even say, how, how God, are you speaking through others in my, in my community, in my spiritual community, in my spiritual family, in our church? How are you speaking? What, what might it be that you've revealed to someone else that you're wanting to use that to direct my own heart and and, and direct me. That's, God's going to speak in our day in, in a similar way, through the Bible, reading the Bible. And in fact, I would even say this, reading the Bible is not so much an exercise in what we see, it's more an exercise of how we listen. That when we read the Bible, we are reading God's revelation, His very word to us. And we got to go to that with that expectation that God wants to speak. So we've got to learn to listen as we read the Bible, as we spend time in prayer. So much of us, when we, so many of us, I should say, when we pray, prayer is, is so one-sided, one-dimensional. It's us talking and not us listening. We've got to learn to discipline ourselves so that we're listening to God in prayer. That we look at the circumstances around us and we try to use the, the, the discerning wisdom of God's Holy Spirit to help us understand how He's working in circumstances around us and even through others in our lives, our, our spiritual family, our our, our, our church family, how God's speaking through others that he's put around us in order to shape us. God wants to speak to us. And the question isn't, is God going to speak? The question that we need to ask is, am I going to listen? Because if we will listen, I promise God will speak. He has a word that he wants to speak. And before we move on to the next point, I, let me just say this as well about when it comes to this idea of the discipline of listening to God. I think there are two things. If you will develop these two habits in your life, then you will see God speak to you. Or maybe I should really say you will hear God speak to you. You will notice that God is speaking. If you will develop practically, number one, get alone with God. Get alone with God. If you're going to hear God speak to you, you've got to get alone with Him. Get alone. That's what we call a quiet time, right? I mean, we often refer to that as a quiet time. And the reason we call it a quiet time is because you need to be, you need to be quiet. You need to be alone. You need to be still. The second thing I would say, and it's, it's really very similarly, similarly related to the, to the first point, is you've got to eliminate distractions. We live such distracted lives. We're distracted. And, and, and so much of the time, part of the issue is that we, we carry our distractions around with us, right? We've got our devices, our phones, our technology, and other things. And, and it's so difficult to truly listen because we're so distracted. Our attention is so scattered. I promise you that distractedness will always be a hindrance to the movement of God. If you want to see God move in your life, get alone with Him and shut out the distractions. Notice even in this text that God came to Samuel and began to speak to him at the end of the day. We read that this was taking place that in verse 3, that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. The lamp of God would have been lit with oil. And that oil would burn until it was used up. And so at the, in the latter part of the day, this implies, as the, the hours are, are winding down for the day, but before the day is done, in the, in the stillness of bedtime, essentially, 
God comes to Samuel and begins to speak to him. Samuel was alone. He was, the, the, the work of the day was done. He had put away his work. He was winding down, if you will. He got alone. He eliminated distractions. God spoke to him. So to experience God's movement, first we see that I must listen. Secondly, to experience God's movement, I must wait. And I would fully confess that for us, for me, this is the hardest part. The waiting is, is the hard part. The waiting, the, the being disciplined, the re- remaining still. We've got to learn to wait for God to speak, to wait for God to move. So three different times God calls to Samuel, and he thinks that it's Eli speaking to him. And finally, Eli clues in and realizes that this must be the Lord. This, whatever Samuel is hearing must be God calling to him. And so Eli tells him for the fourth time to go back and to wait. And if the Lord calls, he was to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel did that. He, he went back and he lied down and he waited. And we don't know exactly how long this was between the, the third and the fourth appearance, if you will. We don't, we don't know exactly how long that, that was between when Eli said to Samuel, just go lie down, and if you hear the voice again, respond to the Lord. But, but he did. Nonetheless, he waited. He waited. And for us, we've got to learn to wait as well. We've got, and while we wait, in that time while we're waiting, I think that we can carry that general expectation that God wants to speak. If I will listen, if I will get alone, if I will eliminate distractions, I can expect God to speak because he has something to say. That's the most basic reality. God has something to say to us if we will be willing to listen to him. And so Samuel waited. He waited for the moment when God was to appear again. He waited for the moment when God was to speak. He waited for the moment when that voice called out to him, Samuel, Samuel. The hardest part about listening is waiting. But God wants to speak, and if we will discipline ourselves to wait, be willing to wait, then we will hear him. We will hear him. He will speak to us. So in order to experience his movement, we've got to listen We've got to uh, open our ears, if you will. We've got, to, we've got to slow down, bring some quiet, eliminate distraction. But we also need to wait. We need to understand that God's going to speak on his timeline, on his timetable, in his way, according to his agenda. We don't dictate the, the means and the timing. And Our job simply is to wait with the humble expectation that God has a word to speak to us. And if we will listen, we will hear him speak. Third, in this text, we see that Samuel encounters God. So we understand that in order to experience God's movement, I must encounter him. Verse 7, I think, offers an aside that is rather instructive when when we understand it. It says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord... And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. 
Samuel had not yet had this encounter with God where he saw God move, where he heard God speak. Samuel, this was, this was the first for him, the first time that he was to encounter God, that he was to experience God moving in this way. You see, God, before God moves, we have to have an encounter with him. Before God will move in our hearts, we have to, we have to encounter him. We have to meet with him. We have, to, we have to know him as it will. It's interesting that Samuel served the Lord. He lived in the temple. He was around the things of God all the time, and yet he had never experienced God move in this way. He had never had that kind of an encounter with God. What I would call an encounter of faith. I wonder today how many... How many of us have, maybe you're familiar with the things of God. Maybe you attend church all the time, frequently. But understand this, attending church is not the same thing as having an encounter with God. And I wonder, how many of us today, God is wanting to move and speak, that we might experience Him in this way, that we might have an encounter with Him. Notice that it says four different times in this passage, verse 4, Verse 6, verse 8, verse 10, that the Lord called to Samuel. God was the one who was reaching out. God was the one who was calling him. Samuel had an encounter with the Lord because God was reaching out to him. And today God is reaching out to you. Are you listening? Are you open? Are you expecting? Are you you ready to have this encounter with the Lord Today, Samuel's response, as was instructed by Eli, was, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. God, I'm ready. He was willing. God, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to speak. I'm ready for whatever it is that you want to say. See, before God moves through us, He wants to first move in our hearts. Before God moves through us to affect change and affect the movement. He wants to first speak to us. Today, would you be willing to listen to him? It begins with having an encounter, an encounter of faith. That place, that moment where you meet with God. Has there ever been that moment? That moment where by faith you met Jesus. That moment where by faith You surrendered your heart and your life to him. That moment where by faith you understood that God was calling you. He was calling you to himself, calling you to faith, calling you to respond in obedience to him. Has there ever been that moment where you experienced his movement by surrendering your life to him? Saying, God, I want to turn from my sin. I want to confess you as Lord and Savior. I want to see you move in my life. Samuel was listening He was waiting, and because he listened and he waited, he ultimately, he encountered God. But then also we we see Samuel's response. As God speaks, his response based on this encounter, and it's so important for us to see this. To experience God's movement, I must obey. I must obey. And so... Samuel responded obediently, speak for your servant hears. Now that much is, that much is, is 
plainly there for us to see in the text. But this week as I was studying this, the Lord convicted me greatly as I read this of something that I had never seen before. Samuel was but a boy in this. Samuel was, was, was a boy. He had not yet, at this point, he had not yet heard the Lord speak to him like this. He had not yet had an encounter with God like the encounter that he has in this moment. But Eli was a, a man. Eli was the high priest. Eli was one who had spent a lifetime around the things of God, had spent a lifetime ministering in the temple of God, had spent a lifetime devoted to, to his, his religion, his faith, to the ordered worship of his people, and yet Eli missed what God was doing. Why? Well, again, when we read in context, particularly when you back up, you see that it was a result of the sin in Eli's own heart and his own life. That essentially... Eli had abdicated his responsibility here and he expected God to do through a boy what he wasn't willing to let God do through himself. Don't you think God wanted to speak through Eli? Don't you think Eli was so much better positioned to affect great change, sweeping religious reform to see God do something mighty than, than the boy Samuel was and yet Eli was unwilling to let God speak to him in that way. Eli knew that it was God. He knew that it was God. In fact, he clues in about the third time, right? He recognizes this must be God. Verse 8, we see that he perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. It's interesting that Eli couldn't hear God because he had hardened his heart. He wasn't in a, in a place and yet he knew that God was still speaking and rather than, rather than uh, responding in, in repentance and saying, Lord, speak to me, Eli just said to Samuel, well, you go and tell the Lord to speak to you. And God does. God did. He spoke to Samuel. And God says to Samuel, I'm going to do something great in your day. I'm about to do something incredible. You can keep reading. And what you read in 1 Samuel chapter 3 is that a, a part of this vision that God shares with Samuel is actually that he would fulfill the word that had been spoken against Eli, that he would remove his hand of blessing from Eli, and that not only that, that, that he would remove all favor from Eli and Eli's family and his entire family line. It was a word of severe judgment that God spoke. And Samuel was nervous, even afraid, to share that word with Eli. And so the next morning, Eli says, Well, did God speak? And Samuel was hesitant to share because the word that he spoke was essentially a word of condemnation against Eli. But eventually, Samuel says, he, you know, he, he, Eli coaxes it out of him. And he says the, what the word was. And, and, and Eli's response essentially is, you know, may God do as he's spoken. It, it was, he resigned himself. He understood at that point that God was going to work in this way, and, and so he resigned himself to, to see God move in, in that way. What, a, what an incredibly ironic and, and even indicting reality that Eli, who knew far better, allowed God to speak through a boy. 
Now, here's the power in the message. God speaks through boys like Samuel, right? He speaks to them and works through them. Here's the the great power in the story that we see is that because Samuel listened, God moved and God raised him up and did incredible things through him. What What an incredible story this is. What a great lesson for us to learn. And yet, may we not miss the fact that God wanted to speak to Eli as well. But Eli wouldn't listen. He wouldn't incline his heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's writing about Timothy's own day and time. Timothy was pastoring, shepherding, leading the church at Ephesus in this point. And Ephesus was one of the key churches in, in, in the life of the early church. We read in Acts 20 that, uh, that through Ephesus, all of Asia heard the gospel. Ephesus was a great church, yet if you were here even last uh, Sunday night, you heard Andrew preach from Revelation about God's word of uh, judgment against Ephesus. They had lost their first love. They had turned their hearts from the Lord. And, and, and they weren't seeing God move in the way that he once had, essentially because they had quit listening. It's like the same story of Eli, the same story that we see again and again in the Scripture, that when the people of God harden their hearts, when they become so encumbered by sin and distractions, distractedness, that we, we, we don't see God move. And so much of the time we think, well, God isn't speaking, when in reality it's that we aren't listening. And so we miss what God wants to do. I wonder today, how many of us are, are, are gathered in this place and, and we sort of identify with Eli? Well, as I was saying, Paul writes to Timothy and, and he says that there's coming a day when people will... Essentially, they will, they will surround themselves with what they want to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, is the way that he writes it. And they will wander off into these godless myths. People would stop listening to truth, and they would start listening to essentially whatever they wanted to hear. And I look at the, the landscape of our day, and, and sadly, I see that Paul's words have come true. To our own shame and our own discredit, so much of the time we have become so distracted with things around us. And we just gather for ourselves people who say what we want to hear, right? We live in these echo chambers of sorts where we, where we only listen to those who are saying the things that we want to hear. And rather than really listening to truth, rather than really humbling ourselves before the word of truth, we just look for voices who are going to say the things that we want them to say. And I'll tell you that as long as we do that, as long as we harden our hearts, we will be guilty of the same end ultimately as that of Eli. We will harden our hearts and we will miss the movement of God. And God will raise up another. He'll raise up a boy, if you will, which is to say that God will raise up someone else who who is uh, more innocent, someone else who is more willing, someone else who is less distracted. I I even heard this week, I I saw this actually on Twitter, I guess would be more accurate to say, I saw something on Twitter this week saying that actually at this point in time in, in the in Christianity, global Christianity today, the highest concentration of evangelical Christians is 
not in North America, as you might expect. Actually, the highest concentration of evangelical Christians in the world today is in the continent of Africa. God is raising up an army of people who, who love him and are following him in other parts of the world. And when I read that, I thought of this text and I wondered if God is, if he's raising up a Samuel because Eli won't listen to him. If God is going to work and speak and move to another because we have hardened our hearts, because we have essentially stopped listening to him. My prayer for you this week as you would hear this word today is that you would not harden your heart, but rather you would humble yourself before the Lord. And rather than saying God would speak to someone else, which, hear me, there's nothing wrong with asking God to speak to someone else. But the problem isn't that Eli said, God, you know, speak to Samuel, or or essentially that he said, Samuel, listen to... The problem is that Eli wasn't willing to listen to God, right? And I wonder how many of us today need to learn from the lesson, not just the lesson of Samuel, but learn from the lesson of Eli, that we not harden our hearts against God, that we would be willing to listen to him, to experience God's movement. I must obey. Hear me when I say this. Disobedience will always hinder your ability to listen to the Lord. Always, not just some of the time, not just part of the time. Disobedience will always encumber your ability to experience God's movement. And so today I wonder if we would would do what Eli was unwilling to do, if we would not respond in humility and brokenness and repentance before the Lord and say, God, would you speak to me? Because I'm listening to to experience God's movement. I must listen. To experience God's movement, I must wait. To experience God's movement, I must encounter Him. And to experience God's movement, I must obey. Would you be willing today to obey the voice of the Lord? In a moment, we're going to move into a time of invitation, a time of response. And even as we sing this song, really the, the prayer of our hearts is, God, would you speak? God, would you speak to us? Would you speak to me today? And so as we sing this song of response, may the, the true prayerful response of our hearts be, God, I'm listening. Would you speak to me today? And may it begin with us. May it begin with me. The movement of God. The revival that we're praying for and seeking. May it begin in my heart as I respond in obedience to Him. Do you join me in a word of prayer? God, today we want to learn the lesson of Samuel that we would listen for you to speak and we would respond in obedience. What is more today, Lord, we want to learn from the example of Eli that we not harden our hearts, that we not become so encumbered by sin that we no longer see you working and no longer hear you speaking. 
you move in our hearts and in our midst today. Lord, we pray. Amen.